Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Parenting Podcast, where we try to find meaning through the mess. The following audio is from our live parenting class held here at Stonebridge Church. Each episode will cover a specific topic related to parenting. From discipline to technology, we cover a wide range of important issues that parents need to have down. Now, here's parenting. Well, as Josh said, um, I have uh, I've, I have two grown children. Mine are actually out of college. Both of mine are um, moved past college now. Uh, John, my oldest, some of y'all may know, he is actually taught in here at the 9:30 hour. He um, was a sub for that class, whoever, which is whichever class that is, can't even remember right now. But he was substituting in there, and then right now he's teaching in the Harvest class at 11. But anyway, John and Micah, uh, Micah Canterbury is my daughter-in-law, and we have two grandkids. And um, John was my compliant child, you know. It's always nice to have one of those. And then I have my younger son who is turning 30 this month, and um, he's a software developer down in Houston. Uh, just married, has his first child, and um, he was my non-compliant child. So as a matter of fact, Josh lived with us through probably one of our most difficult seasons with Brad. So, um, and Brad is, uh, <clears throat> Brad is the child that actually taught me what it meant to have unconditional love, because we all think we have it, until your child is disobedient. And then that's when the rubber really hits the road. So, um, so today my topic is on why your personal growth and your marriage matter. And I'm actually gonna focus more on your personal growth than your marriage, even though we'll, bring, we'll definitely bring that in because they are both uh, essential elements in parenting. And we overlook this so many times. So, um, so that's where we're going to head. But we're going to get there in a very roundabout way this morning. We're going to start by asking you a very simple question about your own children. And that is, what do you hope for your kids when they grow up? What do you hope for your kids when they grow up? Would you think about that? And we're going to write that on the board. And we're going to dissect what that really looks like for you. So any brave person who wants to tell me their answer. There's no right or wrong in this. It's just really what's on your heart for your kids. Okay? Responsible. You want them to be responsible. Okay? I'll write that. Productive. You want responsible and productive people. Yes. Yeah, I would say uh, productive and uh, Christ-centered. All right, somebody do for me a favor and don't give me the church answer. Happy, all right. Let me write Christ-centered and then happy. Happy. What'd you say? Did you? What'd you say, Josh? I was just messing with Phil. Oh, okay. Anybody else? Critical thinking. Critical thinking. You want somebody that can actually think for themselves, huh? You want a kind person. You want a good citizen right up here. All right, so no criminals. Hey, you know what? That's kind of important there, isn't it? Good character. We want them to go to church. All right. All right. Spencer had a good one. Choose a, choose a good spouse. You want him to marry well, huh? It's always good. Have the correct political leanings. 
<laughs> I'm not going to write that one down. I know it. And my husband would too, but I'm not going to write that one down. Um, now, let me just say this. What we haven't said is, is words that we all know that we think about, right? Success. Right? Success. Who actually wants their parents, their kids to grow up and not succeed? Right? So if we're being honest, everybody in this room wants your kids to succeed. The thing about success, though, is what does that actually look like? Because there's two basic areas of life in which you want your children to succeed. And Spencer hit on one when he talked about marrying well. You want not just marry well, because you can marry well, and then guess what? You can still not do well in marriage, right? So success on the personal level is actually to have a successful marriage, right? So does anybody in here not think that that's not on your list of what you hope for for your kids? So some of this is on the personal end, you want them to have success. And that includes things like marriage and their children, their families, right? But one also about professional level. Don't you hope that on their professional level, whatever they choose to occupy their time with their work, whatever their efforts are, don't you hope for them to be successful in that? All right, so there is a professional success that most of us would agree that we're striving for. Now here's the kicker on this. We see this a lot in our community where the emphasis is so overwhelming in the professional level. What does that equate to so many times? For especially a young child, what is our emphasis so many times? Money, Money is one, but what else can it be? What if when they're still in school, what are we trying to push them towards? Academics. It's Great. academics, what their grades are like, and sports, who want them to excel, right? We all want the kid to be the superstar. We all want the kids with the straight A's. We don't want them to be in the top 10 of the class. Only 10% can be in the top 10, <laughs> you know? But yet on, we seem to want those things, those things like grades and, and the sports seem to be the things that um, when prayer requests go by in ladies' ministry, I've been in ladies' ministry a long time doing Bible study, do you know how many times we're praying for a test result for a kid? What does that say about where, where our priorities are? If that's what we're praying for. But so many times it is. My kids has a big test coming up. Can we pray for that? We get um, so heavily involved on the academic side. But let me ask you this. Let's say your child uh, does real well in school, does the academic part, actually owns their own business, has a lot of people working for them. Would you say it's a success if nobody that works for them actually likes them? No. Because then we get into a lot of the things you put over here. You know, um, Good character. All of a sudden, they don't have good character. They're highly successful on a professional end, but they're really not successful because they lack character, right? Or they can pass all the tests all day long, but um, my son that does uh, software development, he says, Mom, he goes, the biggest problem when they outsource a lot of these jobs is so many young people today, especially in other parts of the world, are not taught to think critically. And we're actually getting away from in our schools and that is a lot of the reasons why we have some of the issues we have is because people aren't actually thinking about what it is they're saying. Is they're not actually thinking it through. So critical thinking skills are very important. So, so when we talk about these things that we want for our kids, we have to get to the underlying issue. What is actually behind success? What does success really look like when I peel away the onion and I say what I really want for my child? Now, if we were sitting in the secular class right now, 
these things would have came up first. With us living in church world, we, we pop a lot of things on the board here about being responsible, being good citizens, good character, productive, Christ-centered. We say a lot of the right things. But here's the reality of when you and I parent. You and I parent so many times out of crisis or out of what just happened today. And we don't actually parent in the way that is productive for true success. And that is by with the end game in mind. So you and I have to, have to learn. Number one thing, and this is why I think Josh put this at the very beginning, is for a parent to be successful themselves in how they parent, they have to realize that my job as a parent is how I'm teaching my kids is my mentally have to be thinking about where I'm trying to go with the kids. And so that actually brings me to this answer for this question, which is you and I must learn to parent with the end game in mind. So if the end game is true success on a personal level and true success on a professional level, that means somebody that not only does well in their career, but it's people that are admired, people with good character, people that others want to be around, people that others want to be like. Um, in a marriage, you want them to have a, a good marriage. The word happy was used, but truthfully, nobody wants their, their uh, children to grow up and have an unhappy marriage. When I teach, teach courses like intimate issues, I always say things like, who wants their son or daughter to grow up in a sexless marriage? What kind of marriage is that? You know, but yet at the same time, parents a lot of times aren't even, they don't model the very thing that they want. And that's really where we need to go. We have to remember that, that whole idea of, where is it I'm trying to take this child? What is it I'm trying to teach this child? Um, if you read books like Boundaries, um, Boundaries are real good at helping you um, realize that the boundaries you set are the things that are actually helping you think about the end game. And probably everything that you're going to hear in these classes is not something you don't know. Because when I was younger and I would go, it seems like, to a lot of parenting or marriage stuff, I would hear things and it clicked with me. It's not because I didn't know it. I had never really thought about it. And so I want to encourage you now. It's not that you're going to hear some new light bulb thought that you never thought of before. But what's going to happen for you is you're going to realize, you know what? I need to be intentional about that. It's not that I didn't know it, but I need to be intentional. Because it is the intentionality is what these classes tend to do for you. It tends to make your mindset such that, hey, now I want to act upon what I knew all along, but I need to be proactive in actually doing it. And I think you're going to hear a lot of things that are going to help you to, to achieve that as you move forward. So that very first point is you must parent with the end game in mind. Okay? Now, I want you to think of this as when we, when we start talking about what is that end game. And most of us, when we define success in these two areas, personal, professional, what that really looked like, a lot of it actually would fall under good character because it would be things like trustworthy, honest, kind, have self-control. Um, and did you notice a lot of those words, where, do they, where, do they, where are they found in the Bible? What are those items? Anybody recognize what you just heard? Fruits of the Spirit. You actually would be talking about wanting your child to have the fruits of the Spirit. So, um, I don't, I'm sure y'all have heard the saying about, um, you know, character is caught, not taught. And that's because basically um, you and I influence our kids in two ways. It's what we say and what we do. And when what we say doesn't match up to what we do, the thing that overrides is what we do. So it becomes critical for you and I to realize that modeling um, is, is the aspect that our kids are looking at most. 
Um, so I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all have uh, ever seen your kids model you when they were growing up or maybe they're doing it? Um, I've noticed, I'll give you an example right now. John, my oldest son, who's, who's a pastor that's out of work, looking for a, a church serving right now, is staying out of my home with my grandkids. And um, his son, Grayson, wears a hoodie all the time. Now, you know why he wears a hoodie all the time? Because his dad loves to work out, and guess what he works out in? A hoodie. So you'll see Grayson headed off to school. I don't care if it's 80 degrees outside. He's going to put the hoodie on to go to school in. Because who's he modeling? He's modeling daddy. So um, my, my question for you guys, because I know y'all have seen this occur, for those of you that have kids, is uh, let's talk for a minute about how have you seen your child model uh, their actions after you. What can you think of? Uh, yeah. <laughs> my son spit on my daughter when we asked him why he was spitting. He said, because daddy does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else have one you can think of with your kids? Yeah, I've seen them copy phrases that I've said. Oh, yeah. You know, that. Yeah. I've seen them exercise, uh, seen their mom work out. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 Go to bed. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's that is awesome. That is awesome. Mine's not a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I have a temper sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. And, yeah, like, when Emma, especially Emma, the older one, she will just get this crazy face at me. And I'm like, oh, Lord, that's mine. Yeah. 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 I mean, it comes good and bad, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not always good. Matter of fact, it's a wake-up call when it's not good, isn't it? It's like, mm, I need to check myself, don't I? So it's very true. Um, I want you to think about something for a minute. There's basically four attributes or four areas where um, um, when we look at the development of a person that really grows out of that relationship to God. And it's identity. It's who, who we get our identity from. Is it from God himself? Um, or... Is it actually maybe professional? It's what I do. It's more my identity. Um, or is it my success in that job? And is that what my kids are seeing? That my identity is wrapped up in that. And identity is so important because if it's wrapped up in anything that's horizontal, it can mess us up over time. Um, for a woman, a lot of times it can be in her looks. I've, I cannot tell you, the, the women that are my age, that when, when they start um, getting close to that over 50, going on 60, I hit 60 here in like another couple of years. David hit 60 this year. As you get older and the, and the looks don't look the same, the body doesn't look the same, if, if your mindset is still hung up, your identity has actually um, been supported when you were a younger woman based on your looks, it can be devastating to you when those things start to go. And sometimes you're not even aware that your identity was so in that until that begins to disappear. And it really um, shakes a lot of women to their core. And sometimes they were women that you thought they had a strong faith and they did not realize how anchored they were in those things until they began to just go by the wayside. And so identity is huge. Another one is character. You know, um, character comes out of that godly relationship 
let's face it, if, if it weren't for God in our lives, um, so many things like having self-control, well, why have self-control if, if you upset me? Why shouldn't I be able to just vent at you and let you know that? Uh, self-control comes out of me wanting to honor God and me, me not wanting to just go all over with someone because I'm recognizing that is not the way to behave. So uh, the moral things that we do, eventually they lead back to a moral God. And so character in itself comes out of the fact that we were made to be in the image of God. We were made to be in His likeness and to actually have those kind of characteristics in us. And so um, that is an attribute that is going to be either modeled by you in a good way or modeled by you in a bad way. Our relationships is another area. Our relationships with our spouse is another thing that um, our kids are going to see. And listen, they're either going to want your marriage or they're not going to want your marriage, right? Um, <clears throat> they're either going to uh, learn to talk to their spouse the way you talk to their spouse. And that is either positive or it's negative. That either actually builds a marriage up or it tears a marriage down. So um, that is one of the areas they learn from. The other one, uh, some people would say mission. I say passion because God gives us natural passions about things. And it's those things that we end up pouring our life into. And they're either God-centered and God-focused and he's, he's at the core of why we do what we do. Um, and it, so that doesn't necessarily mean that that means that you uh, run the food pantry. I think about that, that movie where the guy was the runner, Chariots of Fire, and he was talking about how he senses God when he's running. So God gives us natural abilities and, and passions, and, uh, but we either honor God with those things or we don't. And so our kids are going to be picking up on all of those areas of our lives. And so that is why it is so important what is actually going on with you in your personal life, in your spiritual life, and both for you as an individual and how it plays out in your marriage. And so that is why um, today's title was, was really all about that. Why your marriage matters and why what's going on with you, yourself, your personal development matters. So, because I want you to think about this. They are either going to accept a lot of the modeling that you do and it's going to become something that they want to emulate when they're older or they end up rejecting it. So I want you to think about that. There's not going to be a middle ground. They're either going to, when they become a parent and they become a wife or they become a husband um, and they start having kids, they're either going to be doing it like you do or they're going to want to reject that and run from it. Sometimes they want to reject it and run from it and without even realizing it, they start modeling it and then their spouse is very aware that they're modeling the very thing that they've said they don't like. Right? And now we have actually issues in the marriage because I haven't even learned, learned to deal with the fact that I am actually doing the very thing that I said I didn't even like. But that happens for most of us in some area of the way we parent. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. I talked about those, identity character relationships. So let me go on down. So my main point of this one is how you and I manage our lives is the model our children will accept or reject as they enter those adult years. So we talk about the end game. What do we want from them? We've got to recognize our biggest influencer is actually us. Okay? It's actually us. And they're either going to reject what they're seeing or accept it. So let's get into this third point. So what is one way you've noticed God has grown you spiritually as a result 
of being a parent. What is just one way that you can think of that God has grown you spiritually by being a parent? Yes, it absolutely affects your prayer life, doesn't it? Absolutely. Oh my goodness, yes. Nothing like being a parent to, for God to use to help you be a, pa- a more patient person, right? I forgot to pass these out. Yeah. When your child is all of a sudden becomes first in the relationship, like a hurt child or your child gets hurt, it's a very humbling experience to mm-hmm. see your child go through something bad. Yeah. So it kind of puts you in a position of how you foster your child first. Yeah. You put him way, him or her way before yourself. Yeah. There's a selflessness that comes out of that, isn't it? There's also humility that I don't necessarily get everything right, you know, right? So there's a lot of different things that come out in that. I think there are some circumstances that just feel so overwhelming that, you know, I have to rely on God because it's not me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Gary Thomas, let me see if I wrote it down here, because he was so right on, um, on what he had said. He said this. He said, parenting requires the skills that only God possesses. I want you to think about that. Parenting requires the skill that only God possesses. It is so true. And, you know, one of the things, and I was talking to Dean um, Johnson, who had just walked in to tell me hello because I wasn't in class this morning and because uh, I do Sunday school at the other hour. And um, so anyway, we were chatting, and I was talking about this class and just about how we think in terms of of our responsibility to, to impart uh, spiritual truths in my child and to, uh, you know, introduce them to Christ and, you know, basically bring them along in godly character. And we totally forget that God actually uses parenting to work on me, to change me spiritually, to help put His attributes in me because it is those attributes of His that I'm going to actually need in order to parent in a way that will do the very thing that I know I'm supposed to be doing. And we, so many times, we, we just kind of skip right over that. We just think about the fact that um, I'm supposed to spiritually raise up these children. I was just supposed to impart that in them. And I totally miss what God is doing in my life. Now, y'all said several of these, but I'm going to show you some of the ones that, um, that I thought of. So, and I just said that just a second ago, how we spelled them, think of it. So, kind of one that popped at the end. But anyway, having kids demands you sacrifice, right? So, who can think of something they've sacrificed once they had children come along? Yes, yes, you do. Alone time disappears, especially for most women. Um, what's the very first thing you lose? Body. What? Body. Yes, every woman in this room knows you lost your body. <clears throat> that is so true. Um, that's another one. What's privacy goes out the window? What's another one? No sleep. No sleep. I was waiting for that because because we you know we've got the we've got the new grandbaby and you know no sleep no sleep. You know, so absolutely. Any other thing you think of? Sacrifice? Finances. Yes, absolutely. Finances. You know, before you had those kids, you could pretty much spend your money any kind of way you wanted, right? No more. They're expensive little things. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what his diaper bill must be like with four littles. You know? 
Can you imagine? Oh my gosh, that is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Every time one of them gets out of diapers, favorites. <laughs> so sacrifice, right? That's one of the things. All right. Having kids teaches you to learn to be good listeners. Oh my goodness, to listen to the littles. We've got, you know, I mentioned the grandkids are living with us and Reese. If any of y'all know my little granddaughter, Reese, she can talk your ear off, honey. Oh my goodness. And Lord forbid at the dinner table, we decide we want to actually have any other conversation because she will be like, I was not through with my story. Y'all are interrupting my story. Because that girl can tell a yarn. I'm just saying, oh my goodness, she can talk. And so you do have to learn to be a good listener, right? You even have to learn to be a good listener just to understand what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? And so God, listen, the biggest thing on prayer for most of us is that we can talk to God. We just kind of don't listen to God. And think about how he's developing you spiritually so that now when you pray, you can actually hear what he's saying back to you because he's developing your listening skills through your children about what's going on. And how many of us um, have had older kids in this room? How many of us have had a teenager already? Okay. So once they hit like uh, pubescent and on up, now you're not just having to learn what they're saying because when they're little, they kind of come out with everything and their emotions are on the sleeve. When they get older, they're hiding those emotions. And now you're reading all their body language, right? You're reading their time of silence. You're reading when they, they won't come out of their room or they won't tell you what's going on. You're having to learn a whole different set of listening skills with your older kids, right? So God is stretching you there. Having kids drives you to pray, as several of us have mentioned in the room. Oh, my goodness. You know what's so funny? Is I think we think when they turn 18 or they go to college, they graduate. Whoo, it's done. Whew. I was so stupid. I remember thinking that. <laughs> I was so stupid. I was really, I was like, yeah, it's all good. And now they're married and have kids and grandkids, and you're just, oh, my goodness. Okay, John's out of work. What do you think I'm praying for, you know? I mean, this stuff gets heavier. You know, now it's, it's now they not only about them, now it's the whole family you're praying for. It's way heavier. And so God stretches you and teaches you how to pray. So it's, it's very different. Having kids bring you face to face with dealing with guilt. What parent in this room hadn't had to deal with, oh my gosh, I, did I cause him to be like that? Is that on me? That this, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where you're having to deal with the, the fact that you're, you're parenting the way you are and the habits you have and the things you haven't ever dealt with with God is now showing up in the one that you raised. You know, I'll never forget John um, when he was home one time. I don't remember what he said, but it was pretty much a critical spirit. And I looked at him and I said, son, I'm sorry you got that from me. I know good and well who, who raised you that that would have just came out of your mouth. That was, that's on me. And I know that um, I have a problem with that. And I, I am so sorry that I have, I have put that in you. You know, that generational sin that I pass on to you. So um, we have to deal with our guilt though, don't we? So the good news is, hopefully if you learn to deal with it right, you're learning actually to move past it and go, you know what? At some point, they know the Lord. It's between them and the Lord. And... Yes, I know I didn't do everything right, but I can also say I didn't do everything right. 
and uh, and trust God on on the other things, right? So I'm able to move free of it instead of living there in that place of guilt, which is where the enemy wants us to stay. But guilt can actually bring me to the to a good, healthy place, and where I go, Lord, I know I need help with this, and I don't want that to be the case anymore, right? So it has its place, and it's meant to move you past it. So as opposed to you sitting in it and just watering in it. Having kids necessitates you learn to forgive. Kids are going to whack you all the time. Maybe not physically, but definitely emotionally, right? And they'll say some things or they'll do some things that, yes, either you're embarrassed by them, your your feelings are hurt by them, um, you can't believe they did it, you know, like, like, um, um, Crystal wouldn't use your husband, I think, said sometimes, you know, it's like, you're, you know, they did something, you're like, I can't believe they did that, you know. Um, we have to deal with those things, right? And we have to learn to forgive them from that, and we love them. And so we move past it. As I said at the very beginning, I learned with my um, non-compliant child way more about love than I ever learned through um, my obedient child. Now, let me just tell you, John, even though he's my obedient child, he's also my child with the best intentions you know what a best intention child does yes mom I'll do that and then an hour later you're like I thought I asked you to do whatever oh yeah I hadn't done it yet I mean that's John I mean he he has the right little heart it's just getting his little booty moving sometimes you know (laughs) so um whereas Brad this is different than Brad and John I'll say hey Brad will you do whatever he goes I don't want to do that I mean this is Brad no no Go ask your brother. <laughs> you know, go ask John. I don't want to do that. I mean, John has John will tell you yes every time. Mean he's going to do it. Never get around to it. Brad, on the other hand, always tells you no. He don't want to do that. He never wants to. It's like like um, like we were doing Destiny back when he was little. I mean, this would have been Brad's response. You want me to work with a bunch of kids? No, I don't want to do that. That would have been Brad. All right. However, I guess the good thing about Brad, he'd also been the one that sat in his room going, "Oh, I need to do that. I need to sign up to do it." Because God always worked on Brad's heart when he got away from me, you know, because that's the other side of Bradley. So he was quick to always say no and always be honest with you, tell you what he thought, tell you things you really didn't want to hear. But God would deal with him, and so he still deals with him. So that's a good thing. But you have to learn to forgive with your kids, right? So, and you know what's so interesting? Because God uses our marriages to do a lot of these same things, but there's something different in the parent-child relationship because they're dependent upon us, my, whereas my spouse is not, where I will accept things out of my kids that truthfully, even though I want to say I unconditionally love my husband so many times, it's very conditional. It's like, well, you're a grown-up, you should have done this, and therefore we get, we get into something because I don't approve of whatever behavior, whatever you just said, or whatever you just did. And so now all of a sudden it becomes a conditional thing, which with my child... I'm much more easy to recognize them as children, haven't matured as much, forgive and forget and move on, right? Much more likely not to keep a record of wrongs like the scripture talks about. So it's interesting how God does that with us. Another one, having kids forces you to act selflessly, which we talked about that a little earlier too. You know, all of a sudden it's not all about you, is it? So... Now, I want you to think about something we're told. We're told in the scripture that you and I are to add to our faith, right? We're told to add to our faith. And um, I put this verse in here for us when we get there. Oh, I got two more. I didn't know I did that. 
required you not to keep a record wrong and instills in you patience. Somebody mentioned that one too. Sorry, I thought I was all done with that. So in first, uh, Second Peter um, chapter 1, verse 5-7, through it says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with patience, Patience and endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. He basically moves through how you're supposed to add to, add to your faith as you grow up. How you're supposed to develop uh, basically your spiritual muscles as you grow up. And he goes on and he basically says that if you don't do this, notice what he says in 8 and 9. All right, He says... The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the more you actually grow your faith, the more you allow your spiritual muscles to develop, the more productive you'll be. Now, when we apply this to parenting, the more productive your parenting will be if your spiritual muscles are being developed as your kids grow up, if you're growing up in the Lord. Now, take the reverse of this. If you're not actually working towards spiritual development in your own personal life as your children grows up, what is this actually saying? It's saying don't expect to have a very productive outcome with the way you raised your children, with the way you go about life. Don't expect to be very successful in the things of God, in the things that matter. Because here's the truth of what we said when we go back to this. We said... A truly successful marriage and professional person is one of good character. One who actually has godly qualities. One who has a marriage that reflects those things. And so if you are not modeling and actually growing in your own faith to expect yourself to be able to parent well and to parent like God would have you to do and to instill the things God wants you to do, you've got to recognize right now, you know what? I've got to invest in my own spiritual development. And you need to ask yourself, how am I doing that? And let me just say, if your extent of your personal spiritual development is showing up and listening to Steve on Sunday or Josh, that is not going to cut it. It's just not going to cut it. That's a start. That is to encourage you to do the things you need to do to draw close to God. That's like saying, I'm going to have a great marriage, but I get together with my wife once a week for an hour, an hour and a half, and it's all good. That's when I see her, an hour, hour and a half. We have a great marriage. It's all good. What a joke that would be. Okay? So that's a starting point. It's an encouragement for you. It's to move you forward in it. But if you actually want to be productive and useful in your parenting, you've got to first look inward and go, what is God trying to teach me here? And allow God to actually move you forward in all these areas that we talk about. He teaches you patience, teaches you selflessness, all these things that God wants to teach you through parenting. All right. Now, there is um, a verse that I did not put up here, but I want to read it to you. It actually occurs right in front of these two out of 1 Peter. So let me see if I can find it real quick. <clears throat> it's first Peter and it's in verse 4 and he tells us that and, and, and it goes it, it, it's the lead in to when he talks about make every effort okay because in this passage in verse 5 when we started this about adding to your faith he said in view of all this well what's he talking about in view of all this in view of all what 
Okay, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort to, to continue to grow personally in, in your spiritual walk with the Lord. So if you back up, he says this. He says, he has given, talking about Christ, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Listen, in other words, these are the very things that if you'll learn to focus on, if you'll actually um, commit them to memory, if you'll have to meditate on those promises that God makes, if you'll learn His Word, if you'll draw close to Him, and these become a part of who you are, and these are the places your mind goes when stuff happens to you, okay? Then guess what? You will share His divine nature. In other words, you will actually handle the things that come upon you the way God himself would have handled them with your child. Now, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? So, adding to your faith is so important for us. Now, I put in your little thing for you a um, what I called a little ask yourself these questions deal. And bottom line is I want you to go through them and just assess yourself. Like, look at the first one. We'll just we'll do that one together. But I want you to do them all. It says, when I'm angry, my kids regularly see me. And we're just going to talk in generalities here. A, control my words and actions toward them and my spouse. Or B, lose it with my words and actions towards them or my spouse. Let's just be honest on these things. And here's the deal. And there's just 14 little questions. If, if you're honest, there's going to be some you're A's on and some you're B's on. Your B's are ones that are not modeling what you would hope for for your children. They're actually identifying areas for you where, you know what, you need to go to God and you need to go, I need to work on this area in my life. Okay? Now, if you're here with your spouse or even if your spouse is not here, I would highly encourage you to take it yourself and then ask your spouse what they would have said about you. Because sometimes we don't even realize, especially if you deal with anger or something like that, you know, it takes a friend saying to you, you have an anger issue. Because you might think, I don't have an anger issue. Y'all just have an out-of-control issue that drives me to be angry. And they're like, no, 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 I'm on the receiving end, and you have an anger issue. Sometimes we don't recognize it, and we actually need someone to speak truth to us. Okay? That means you have to give them permission to say it to you. But ask them what they see. Ask them to go back and circle or put an X by which one for you. And then listen, you go and you start taking those things to the Lord so that He can actually work on you so that you're instilling the very things you want to. You know, it always amazes me. We talk about self-control so much with my grandkids in my house right now, you know, and I'll look at their mom and daddy and then I'll go and I'll say it straight up to them. You cannot teach self-control if you don't have self-control. Just the bottom line. If they see you lose control, you're teaching them to lose control. You know? And so, things like that matter. How you handle things. How you come off. And y'all can tell, I'm not like, like some quiet person. Okay? You know, that my house is not going to be a quiet house. I'm not a quiet person. John's not a quiet person. And those of you who know John, John's voice is like this. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, oh my gosh. If he goes in that lower thing, the whole house can shake. You know? So, so I'm just saying... I'm, it's not about whether you're loud or quiet or whatever, but it is about whether there's a sense of you've lost it or you haven't lost it. Are you still loving, kind, and gentle as you correct? 
I know there ain't no loving kind, nothing. We're going full force. This is my natural self coming out, you know. So, so anyway, so go through those 14 things. Ask yourself those things. Give yourself an honest evaluation. And then let, your, um, let that be a starting point for you as a parent to go, you know what, I've got to learn to work on me in these areas. I want to be a good parent. I want my kid. Look at the end game, y'all. What do you want for your kids? Do you want them to have a successful marriage? Do you want them to have a successful career in life? Do you want them to, to stand on solid ground and really be somebody that others want to be around? Think of the end game. And then recognize, for me to actually help with that, then I've got to be the best person that God's created me to be. Because I can't do it if I'm only half the person I'm supposed to be. Then how can I ever help them be the whole person they're supposed to be? So it's a two-way street there. God wants to develop you while you're helping develop your kids, okay? So, and I hope that's what you wanted, Josh. That's what you got. <laughs> all right, y'all. That's all I have for you. I've never ended on time. This is amazing. I want that. I want this written down. It'd be like, um, what was that Exodus movie with Moses? He goes, let it be written, you know? Let it be something else. Anyway, that's how I feel right now. I wonder if this is recorded forever. <laughs> All right. Let's pray for y'all. Father, we come to you knowing full well that you are the best parent. And it's so funny because sometimes, Father, we feel like we don't, we don't hear from you. Or we want to hear from you. And yet we feel sometimes like um, we just need to know what you'd have us do in this situation. I pray for every person in this room and for myself included that one of the best skills we'll get for being a parent is to be a great listener and to really know how to listen to you and how to hear from you and have you speak truth into our life, Father. And as we're dealing with stuff, because you know, as a parent yourself, as you watch all of your children, the stuff that we're dealing with only gets bigger and bigger and greater the older we get. It's not smaller and smaller. It's bigger and bigger issues. And they... They change things for, for years to come as, as um, we get older. So I pray for us in this room. We keep that end game in mind. What is it we really want for our children? Father, I know that everybody in here wants kids that love you, that you're, you are at the heart of their life. Father, that um, they would have godly character. And Father, I pray for each of us that we could say to our kids, Follow my example as I follow Christ. Father Paul said those words and he meant them. And I pray that every one of us can, can say those words too. Not that we'll always do everything right, but yet we know who we run to, we know who we ask, and we know who we lean to. When, um, when we don't know what to do, and even when we think we do know what to do, we've learned to listen and lean into you. In Jesus' name, amen.